Kevin Young of Disciple Joins the Antidote. Good to have you with us, Kevin. Uh, thanks for having me, man. You were a teenager when Disciple began in 92, Kevin. <laughs> I still am. I mean, here it is almost two and a half decades later. Can you imagine that Disciple ever would have had that kind of longevity? No, no. I mean, you dream and fantasize about it, but, you know, you don't actually expect it to happen. I wish I could have... Uh, gotten a lot more mature and, and wiser along the way, but uh, so I, I still feel like a teenager and act like one. Uh, so maybe that's a good thing, maybe that's a bad thing. I don't, I don't know. But we're very glad to still be around. Awesome. Well, listen, I'd love to hear about those early days, what they were like. Like, what kind of gigs was the band playing? Well, we were a lot more low maintenance back then. Um, you know, we were just happy to be doing it, and we, and we were very low maintenance now, but just not that much. I mean, we were, uh, you know, sleeping in a van and playing for free anywhere we could play. And it was a good time, you know, that kind of music. It's hard to recapture, you know, whenever you're first starting out and you're just writing what you really feel. I mean, teenagers, teenagers are very passionate. And so when they write and express themselves through art, it's usually very powerful. So it was a, it was a fun time. Okay, so I guess that was the beginning. But when would you say that Disciple really hit its stride? Um, I mean, I think that there were actually several moments where we really hit our stride. You know, we signed our first record deal in 1997. That kind of brought us on to a, a national scene in America as far as Christian rock music was concerned. And then... Um, we ended up signing another record deal in like 2000 and had some real success there. And so those were, you know, definitely highlights. But then in 2005, we signed our third record deal. And, it, you know, we had already been a band for, you know, a decade at that point. But it was like we were starting over and we were a new band and new record deal and new musical style. And from there was when we really picked up and saw our fan base grow leaps and bounds. The music of Disciple is much more Christ-focused than what we have from most of the artists who come on The Antidote. When you're songwriting, Kevin, what takes top spot? Is it the message or is it the music? You know, I try not to look at it that way. I just try to be myself and write about whatever I'm going through. Um, you know, as a Christian, you know, my relationship with God is very important to me as it should be with all Christians and, and whatever else, someone else in their walk of life, whatever's important to them, when you're true to yourself and you write about what's important, it's just going to naturally come out. But, you know, obviously being a human being, you know, there's sometimes I want to write about, you know, other things. Um, and I try not to limit myself to, to one topic or, you know, paint myself in a corner. I, I really try to write about everything. And that's why sometimes our music comes off as very honest and, and not very Christian. And that's because, I think honesty is paramount, you know, of, of being true to myself. We have a song on the new album called Underdog Fight Song, and it's, it's really just about, you know, all the people that said we would never make it and all the people that said I was less than average uh, growing up to every teacher I had in high school. You know, this song's to them and to every single music critic out there that said that our music was garbage, you know. All those words, you know, really just turned into inspiration and turned into fuel and, uh this one particular day, I guess I was apparently feeling it and decided to write about it. 
Don't you find a lot of artists really aren't that honest and they just bring up contrived scenarios that they want to include in a song? Well, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, and I would say that sometimes, you know, when you're an artist, you do write fiction, you know, um, and that's still art. Uh, but I try to lean, you know, 99% more on something that's real to me. Whenever I write a song about something I'm going through, guaranteed, you know, half of my audience relates to that because they've been through it too. You know, there's no experience I'm going to have that's going to be like new under the sun. You know, so when I write about something that I'm going through, guaranteed, you know, there's just, you know, thousands of thousands of people going through the exact same thing. So then that song is able to actually connect on an emotional level with, you know, our listeners, as opposed to just coming up with something, you know, contrived in fiction. You know, there's a place for that, too. And I, I, I try that every once in a while. But, I, you know, we really are uh, more just coming from a place of experience and honesty. The music of Disciple, I've heard it described as being hard rock, being metal, and being everything in between. I love squeezing everybody into a specific box. So how would you describe <laughs> Disciple? Well, I, I hate to disappoint you. You know, we just, we really want to write songs that we like. And, you know, we are, all the, all the guys in the band are all extremely, you know, different with different tastes and uh, different likes. And the one thing that I've always stressed to our team is we just want to write songs that are good. Writing a certain style is not as important as writing a song that's good. You know, if we want to write a pop song, which we have a pop song on this new album, then it's not about was it a pop song or was it a rock song. It's about was it a good song. You know, if we want to write a country song or something that has a rap feel to it, you know, I mean, even if we try our hand at something that's a little hip hop, it's, it's going to turn out rock. But we are big metal fans, too. And so we always, you know, teeter on the side of, you know, being metal. Um, we don't really ever sit down and write a song thinking it needs to be a certain style. We just want to sit down and write a song and, and hope that it's good. And we know if we think it's good, then there's a good chance that other people will think it is good, too. Well, man, that just brought to mind an old Disciple song that I remember. You guys did Amazing Grace with this blues vibe to it. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. That was wild. Our original guitar player is a huge blues fan, big Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. And, uh, you know, that was something that was really in his wheelhouse. He just was a really good, you know, soloist. And, um, yeah, it was a fun song to do. It was just, you know, our take on Amazing Grace. And of course, it's just such a popular song, you know, you know, outside of the church, everybody knows the song. So you play it and it, whether you're playing it in a bar, a high school, or church, or whatever, it's always a great response. Well, maybe that's just going to have to be a future plan. You'll just take a bunch of hymns and <laughs> do a rock or metal twist to it. I don't know. Uh, maybe. I guess I'll have to think about it. <laughs> doing one song was enough back then. Doing a group of them, I don't know. That's, that's a lot. But we might, we might pull one out again and see what happens. Well, now, since we're talking about some of the stuff that's happened in the past, you know, I don't want to ignore any of your other releases, but I've heard many people, and this includes myself, called Disciples 06 release, Scars Remain, as the perfect album. What made wow. that release stand out so much? Wow. Man, I think, um, you know, you hear a lot of people in the industry say this, 
And it was, it was one of those times where we actually were able to deliver, you know, they say it's all about the song. And I think we just had some really, really special songs on that album. You know, it had a lot of emotion, it had a lot of passion. And, um, you know, it definitely was what I was just talking about. It had some slow songs on there. It's an, you can't fit it into a box. And it has some really aggressive, passionate metal songs on there. Uh, Scars Remain being one of them. And, uh, you know, those songs, you know, when you write a good song, it has the ability to stand the test of time, that, you know, meaning that it's, it was good in 2006 and it's good 10 years later. Um, you know, a lot of those songs we still play live today because of that. You know, um, as an artist, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you try to do it every time you write an album, but it's not an easy thing to do. Not not every song you write is a masterpiece. Even though you want it to be, it's it's just not. Uh, but that, that album is, is very special and always will be. You talk about that, the success in all. Each of your releases really have been successful. It's got to be tough not just to fall into that hole and just simply churn out a, a clone of each previous record. Like, what do you have to do to keep it fresh? Yeah, you know, I mean, um, I'd say in 2012 when we were doing Oh God Save Us All album, I hit a wall with not really knowing what to write about, you know, just really struggling to find things to write about. Uh, our record deal was over uh, with the record label that we were on, and we were wanting to decide whether we wanted to go independent, which we had done since 2003, or release our next album on a record label. And we really decided to um, do it independent because even being on a Christian label, you still have to kind of run your lyrics and your music through the powers that be. And I was really, really tired of that. I was really tired of having all of our songs micromanaged and told what songs could go on the record and what songs couldn't go on the record. And so having that freedom in 2014 when we did our album Attack, I was really revived, really renewed and refreshed. And as a Christian, was very passionate and fired up about my faith uh, writing that album. And, you know, we're probably bolder than we have been since the beginning. And I think just that scenario created the perfect storm for us to just <laughs> get fired up and, and just write some songs that we were really, really passionate about. Once we got that out of our system, you know, moving into this next album, all the guys in the band that are in the band right now have been in the band for about four or five years. And so this would be their second time writing a full length album with us. And they were just excited and energized. And it was easy to be fresh, as you would say, uh, because we were just kind of hitting our stride with each other. And, um, people were writing songs and they just didn't sound like any other disciple song that's ever been written. And it was just, you know, walking around big smiles on our faces. You know, it, it was never worked because we were having a great time doing what we were doing. Uh, I don't think that we intentionally tried to keep it fresh. It just naturally happened that way the last, you know, two or three years. Yeah. I've heard you describing your current band lineup as disciple 3.0. So it's really right. been a significant different version of the band compared yeah. to 1.0 and 2.0? Um, I mean, you know, obviously I, I can give you the political answer <laughs> because there's obvious things that are, that are differences that um, may not be flattering to some, but you know, Disciple 1.0, that's the original guys. That's the original three. We started the band together and 
Um, those guys will always be very special. Um, and we were together for around 15 years. And, um, you know, it, it's hard to be in a band forever. You know, people grow up and people want to start families and actually make money doing something. <laughs> you know, so uh, being in a band is one of those things that, uh, you know, you, it's not an easy thing to continue, you know, especially let you get married and your wife is usually smarter than you are and says, Hey, you know that we have a house payment and bills to pay, and uh, this band thing is not going to do that. And so it's hard to uh, keep that going. And uh, the second group of guys, you know, another very special group of guys, but we, you know, we never really were on the same page. You know, we were so different uh, that it really kept us from working together and creating something. We were able to actually create an amazing album, Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. Mm-hmm. Um, in spite of that. Um, but I think, you know, just not being able to get on the same page and really be a team with each other really, really kind of helped make it an easy decision when guys, you know, wanted to go and do other things. Uh, but these guys that are in the band now, they all just were godsends really, you know, just from other bands and, uh, from day one, you know, we're very passionate about what disciple is about, very passionate about what we were trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, we're all on the same page and we're, we're a team and we love hanging out with each other, going to eat with each other, going to movies together. You know, they're my best friends in the world. And, you know, that's definitely something that, you know, the other versions of the disciple never had. And, uh, so it's something very special that we really, you know, love each other and love being around each other. And it shows up on stage, you know, people know that that's the way that it is. And so it's definitely a very, very special time, you know, in our band. Something else from the past. I think one of the most interesting things about the music as Disciple is your connection to WWE. I mean, are hmm. you guys all just pro wrestling fans, or how did the music make the connection into that organization? You know, we had a, a team around us with our record label and publishing company at that particular time that had some relationships with the WWE. And, you know, we've always been. I wouldn't say super fans or anything like that, but we've always enjoyed it. And, uh, especially more so, you know, when I was a kid, I really loved it. Um, and so when they asked us to perform a theme song for a tag team, they had coming out, we were just like, that was a no brainer. And we were like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. And, uh, one of our songs was a theme song for one of their pay-per-view events, cyber Sunday. Uh, and so it was a really, it was a really cool thing, man. We, we really enjoyed and loved being a part of what they were doing. Any other sports you want to get involved with now? <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. I'd love to. You know, it's you just have to be at the right place at the right time for those things to happen. You know, we're all football, baseball, basketball fans, uh, even hockey. For all you Canadians out there, one of our guitar players is an enormous hockey fan. Um, so, yeah, you know, any of those opportunities ever uh, open up, you know, we're going to be really excited to walk through those doors. Well, thanks for that little hockey plug. That's always good. It goes over well with the fans. <laughs> <laughs> we love hockey. We love hockey on this bus. Uh, you know, our guitar player loves it a whole lot more than the rest of us. But uh, Stanley Cup playoff time. You know, we're we're fully engaged. <laughs> Listen, your music over all the years. Has there ever been a point where you could have said, "Oh, I wish I could have done this differently. I wish I could have done that better." Oh gosh, just about everything. <laughs> but I've learned that 
with all of the things, you know, especially the mistakes, you know, those are some of the the most precious and valuable moments in your life uh, because mistakes are the greatest teacher of how to do it differently. And if you don't have those mistakes, then you'll never be able to kind of point yourself in a different direction. So I'm actually very thankful for all of the the screw-ups and the mistakes and the, the, the bad things, the bad songs and the bad lyrics and whatever else, you know, bad shows and bad relationships and all those things. Um, very thankful for all of them because they're, they're great teaching lessons and, you know, help propel us to uh, hopefully not make those same mistakes again and move in a different direction. Well, now you've got something new coming out. Disciples about to release your new album, Long Live the Rebels this Friday, October 14th. Now, I've totally lost track. Which album number is this? (laughs) Uh, If you count the EPs, it's going to be our 13th project. If you don't count the EPs, it's our 11th full length. Well, now, are you giving the album like a particular theme, or is it a collection of songs and thoughts? Um, I don't think any album we've ever put out has a particular theme. I think every single song kind of stands alone and says what it wants to say. And then the next track is going to start over and uh, be the beginning of a new idea and a new thought. Um, So no, there's definitely not a theme on this record, even though there are ideas that kind of bleed into one another. It's never intentional. We're not that smart. (laughs) (laughs) We're, We're not that smart and well thought out. You know, the way that we decide what makes the record is, like I said earlier, it's like whatever we feel the best songs are. You know, if we think they're good, you know, we know that there's going to be at least a handful of people out there that agree with us. And so every album, we just try to write about 30 to 40 songs and whittle them down to about 10 to 12. Wow. And so there's all, there's like, you know, literally hundreds of disciple songs that are out there that have been written and recorded that no one has ever heard. Uh, but that's the way that we like to do it, you know, because if you only write 10, 11, 12 songs, um, you know, you may have a handful of good ones or two, just two or three good ones and then a whole bunch of okay ones. But if you write 30 or 40, then it's easier to pick out the ones that are just okay and which ones are the ones that rise to the top. That's the way we like to do it. So we're not going to see those come out as a B-side album some date in the future? Uh, You might. I mean, now that we're independent, we kind of get to do whatever we want. And, um, you know, our Vultures EP, those songs didn't come out on Attack was they just sounded so different. They were just from a darker place and just felt like they didn't fit with the, uh, the feel of the album. And it really is a solid EP. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, and, and we just felt like they actually had more in common with each other than they had with the Attack album. And so we just saved them and we talked about releasing them on their own. And then after talking about it and talking about it, we were like, let's just do it. And we did. In the past, Disciples had really a legendary producer, Travis Wyrick, for many of your albums. For Long Live the Rebels, you moved to really another legend, and somebody who's been a guest on The Antidote also, Aaron Sprinkle. How different was it working with Aaron? Oh, it's very different. You know, um, all the producers that we've worked with have all been extremely different. You know, speaking of Travis, um, 
we started working with him back in 1995, a really long time ago. We were the first band that he ever produced that wasn't his own band. Um, and he was not a Christian when we first started working with him. And then I think like two or three years later, uh, just hanging around with us and all that. That's how he words it, you know, just hanging around with us, uh, I guess, rubbed off on him. And, and the reason that he ended up giving his life, you know, to Christ. And so that was a really cool thing. And he just kind of became like a member of the band, you know, and still is to this day in a lot of ways, you know, and that's a really cool thing for a producer to kind of become a member of the band. And Aaron, we'd never really met him until we had already kind of signed on and agreed to work with him. And we all sat down in a room with him. And the first day was kind of weird, you know, because we didn't really know him very well. And I mean, by the second day, you know, he was like one of our best friends and <laughs> just, just became, you know, that, that fifth band member, you know, and that's exactly how we want our producer to, to be is just to, you know, to be in the band and, you know, to take it personally and, and to, uh, you know, take ownership of the music. And he did that, man. And we loved it. He's so funny and so fun. I mean, I think we laughed, you know, more than we worked on this album. You know, we just really, really had a good time. Okay. Having a producer like Aaron, does he really have a specific input or effect on your album yes absolutely um you know one of the things that great producers do is i I like to think that they take a good song and make it great you know if they if they're able to do their job well you know that's that's how i see their role and you know we do our best to try to make our songs as good as we can make them and then we basically take them to the producer and lay the song at their feet and say what can you do with this um you know all the work was really done with these songs you know as far as pre-production and so um it was really awesome to see some of the things that aaron would do and he, he for the most part left a lot of them alone but just added these really cool elements that just took the song to, to a whole new place. You know, one of the, the biggest fingerprint that Aaron had was a song called God is with us, which is our first radio single. And it was good, but it was just missing some things. And Aaron really kind of rearranged the chord progression of the verses and, you know, some of the melodies and just really made it a much better song, you know, with just listenable and singable and all those things. And, you know, that's what you hope for. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. One of the songs from Long Live the Rebels I absolutely adore is A Race. Do you want to share about that? Yeah, you know, um, I mean, it really is a song about God's relationship with mankind. That, you know, we all have moments being human beings where we make mistakes. And when those mistakes become a really big, huge, major mistake in humanity, it's very difficult to forgive yourself. You know, people talk about how difficult it is to forgive others. Sometimes in life, it's infinitely harder to forgive yourself. And, you know, we meet a lot of people who struggle with self-mutilation, cutting themselves and suicidal thoughts and depression, you know, and and some of it, um, you know, comes from that, you know, those mistakes and the shame and uh, the guilt of, you know, past actions and mistakes. And that's kind of the message of God and, and humanity is the, really the lyric of the song is is that, you know, when you say that you're not okay, you know, God's speaking to us. He says, when, you're, when you say that you're not okay, my heart, you know, breaks to heal your pain. 
And I think that's really God's desire in, in humanity is to, to heal us and to to take us that are broken and bind up our wounds and make us whole, show us his love, not just so that we would receive it, but we would also learn how to love how he loves because love is a thing, man, that'll, that'll change the world. It'll conquer the world. And um, whenever we receive his love, it, there comes a point where, you know, we stop just receiving it and we actually begin to turn around and give it. And I think that's the, uh, the ultimate plan that God has for humanity because, you know, love is that thing that is, a, it's an unstoppable force. It cannot be quenched and it ultimately will change the world. No matter what you think and no matter what you believe, love is, is always the answer. Well, Kevin, I often ask our guests on the antidote to give a song to finish the show. What about picking out a disciple track from the past to finish us off? Um, well, I've always thought that Fight for Love was a really cool song from Scars Remain and be a good song to kind of make somebody want to drive fast while they um, are listening to the show. <laughs> and they'll send you the speeding ticket. Just send me the speeding ticket and I'll take care of it. <laughs> well, listen, Kevin, it's been a real pleasure having you on The Antidote, man. Thanks for spending time with us. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for the opportunity. It means a lot. Appreciate you playing our music. <laughs>